I'm Stuart Chittenden, and this is Lives, a conversation featuring fresh voices and diverse perspectives on culture, community, business, and more. My guest today is writer, artist, and curator Sally Brown. Our conversation is being recorded today by Zoom. Sally Brown is a writer, artist, and curator who focuses on feminist issues and women artists. Her writing has been published in Bitch Magazine, Hyperallergic, and Art Slant, among others. Her artwork has been published and exhibited in the US and UK. Sally has won two Nebraska Book Awards for illustrating books. Sally edits Les Femmes Folles, a blog supporting women in art, and serves as curator for West Virginia University. She has two children, May and Henry, and a cat, Chalupa. Sally, welcome to the show. Thank you. That was such a nice articulate. I like how you read that. That was very nice. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start at the beginning, and let me just ask you just to share a little, little of your backstory. Tell us about your upbringing. Sure. I was born in Oregon. My mom's from the West Coast, but then I spent most of my upbringing around Omaha. My parents like to move, so we moved about once a year, every two years. Um, They just like to move. Um, (laughs) My dad is a very successful doctor. My mom practices therapy, and she also works a lot with the elderly, and they both did that as I grew up. Let's see, growing up art-wise, I wanted to be, first I wanted to be on the Saturday Night Live, I want to be an actress. So I did drama and I did a drama club and then I got too shy. So I decided I wanted to be a fashion designer. And so I was drawing fashion and um, I took, I was lucky at Westside, they had a fashion design class, which is amazing. I I cannot say enough about Omaha schools (laughs) living in West Virginia, by the way. Um, So I was very um, lucky growing up to have a great education. But then uh, going to college, I started as a fashion design major, and then I didn't like fashion merchandising. I didn't like thinking of my art in a commercial way. (laughs) So I was taking a drawing class, and I just loved the groundedness of charcoal to the paper. And my drawing professor was just a grounded guy, and just it's all about the stroke. It's all about the line. And I was like, yes, this is what I love. So I changed to studio art, and finished that degree. And um, then I got into working for nonprofits around Omaha. How did, um, maybe art is too narrow, but how did an, an aesthetic, as it were, show up in, in your childhood? And, and how were you informed in any way by the professions that your parents pursued? Well, I never wanted to go into healthcare. <laughs> um, I love my dad, but he worked all the time, which is what you do if you're a physician. Um, had no interest in it, loved going to work with him and seeing his office. And it was weird back in the 80s. I remember his partner smoked in his office in the hospital. But anyway, um, yeah, had no interest in the sciences at all. But they were always big, um, not big, but arts patrons. Um, So we had, I mean, cultural arts patrons. My mom 
was a big traveler growing up. She went to Africa. So they had a bunch of like African art. And then my dad was a, is a, um, a sculptor, uh, not he's a physician number one, but he also sculpts. So I was always surrounded by art. My mom had a bunch of art books that I would look through. I was very lucky that it was just kind of part of my life. They would take me to art museums and galleries, which I thought was super boring because <laughs> they would <laughs> like look at them and like read the label, which um, I enjoyed looking at the art. But, you know, as a kid, I did not want to sit there and like learn about this thing. So um, uh, it was just always there. But at the same time, it, I didn't realize, I guess, the impact of the indirect arts around me growing up um, but they definitely were always appreciative of the arts so that was there. How did that transition happen to um, going to college thinking about fashion design as a profession and perhaps moving more towards art more conceptually? Yeah it was just kind of like that moment like I remember being in fashion merchandising with all of these um, I went to an all women's school my first year with these women who are great women, but you know, they knew about uh, whatever high fashion and like they, they carried the expensive bags and I just did not feel a connection with that. And it could have been a misconception, you know, but I just felt really out of place. But in drawing, I felt like I was in the right place. Like I felt just like at ease. <laughs> and so it was just, very quick but yeah kind of random because I had for so long this fashion design like when I looked for colleges throughout high school it was all about fashion design I only looked at colleges that had fashion design so it was like <laughs> I wanted to be this fashion designer for so long it was kind of like this strange moment but definitely a moment of clarity just the feeling of it. Did it take a degree of I'm not sure uh, self-awareness courage vulnerability on your part to embrace what you were discovering um, about art and about your um, I don't know your your as it were calling to it yes definitely and that lasted post-graduation I mean for one thing my parents, whom I love, and they were supportive, said, why don't you be an art teacher? You know, you can actually get a job <laughs> if you're an art teacher. Makes sense. So I spent a summer being a, a camp counselor teaching art, and I was like, nope. <laughs> Can't do that. Not going to do that. Um, and then um, art professors, if uh, you talk to most I think women or even men going through art school, art professors would be like, if you're not willing to live in a box, you're not going to be successful. <laughs> like, you know, eight out of 10 of you are going to fail. Um, that's, I think it's just typical. And then you can, I had professors, you can't get married and have kids and be an artist. So I had it, you know, you get that in art school. And even when I was in college, so after, that's why I, went into nonprofit work after I graduated because I felt like I love this, but there's enough artists. There's, you know, maybe I should work to support them instead of just adding to it. Um, so yeah, I didn't quite work out um, that until semi more recently, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I don't make money. I settle, I don't make money out of it. It's not my, my living. Um, I kind of, 
turn that conversation to a curve. But yeah. <laughs> Does that answer the question sort of? To me, it sounds like it's still a brave act from what you're describing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I just, after I totally gave up making art when I was like 25 or something. But then when I had kids, it, it was this thing that was just like, I have to make art. Even if I don't make money, I just have to do it. Even if I don't show it, I just have to do it. And um, a lot of that too was I, um, you know, Wanda Ewing, she was my mentor and I took a, a class from her, a graduate level drawing class individual with her. And she was like, I don't sell a lot of my work. A lot of it's in the basement. You just got to do it. I'm like, okay, sure. I'll make this art. It's weird, but you know what? I have to do it. Even if it's weird, even if nobody buys it, nobody gets it. It's just part of who I am. <laughs> so. So let's transition then and talk about um, your art. This is an audio medium, and I'm sure we can um, find ways via you know, Live's radio show on social media and um, also at your own website, people can see your art. But for now, would you describe as best you can um, what your art is, what, what people might expect to see if they were coming to a show of your art right now? Mm-hmm. It's very personal. I've always uh, done self-portraits since I was five. I've been drawing and taking photos of myself. So it's a lot of self-portraiture and abstracted self-portraiture uh, with my body prints. But it's also currently, more recently, very thoughtful with regards to um, feminist art history and artists before me because without them, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing. And they're so um, impactful directly and indirectly. So it's very personal and intimate, but it's also very like broad thinking. So I do self-portraits, drawings, small. Right now they're small. I've done large ones in the past. Um, and I also do these body prints. So I, um, like 10 or so years ago, I was in DC and I saw this exhibit of um, Eve Klein, um, and his um, blue series of anthropometries. And I was struck. Uh, I was, I loved this imagery of the, um, the body printed female form as the paintbrush painted on these canvases. I just thought it was gorgeous and beautiful. And then I was like obsessed with doing it um, myself. Of course, he was a director. He was fully clothed. He was instructing these women to do this. He did not do any of himself. <laughs> You know, I think he's a great artist and everything, but I was like, I want to be the director. I want to be the model. I want to do this, this whole thing. It's weird, but that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> so I did it. And then I was also, 
getting back into the art scene and I was a mom and wanting to do these kind of provocative artworks. So I was kind of contending with that. Like, I want to do this weird thing, but like, is it okay? Like as a mom, like, can I do this? You know? And so with that is when I started La Femme Full, um, my blog interviewing women artists. And so and I was also actually an arts writer for The Reader, which is an Omaha Newsweekly um, interviewing artists. But I wanted to expand that to kind of justify to myself, <laughs> you know, hey, I can do this. There's other women doing this. And so that's kind of what started the blog. Uh, Wanda Ewing, I invited Wanda Ewing to curate an initial exhibit with women artists doing provocative work around the body, which was amazing and inspiring and like very personally like touching like to see these women making these huge you know sexual unabashed proud work um and people were excited which made me really happy and excited and felt like okay you know i can make this even though i'm a mom like i can do this so doing the blog and interviewing more women artists who do not just figurative work and other work and other mother artists and i kind of combined those interviews with my body prints so i would take excerpts from the interviews and script them on my body prints and then um that has kind of evolved because i got a i got a master's degree in art history did extensive research on other feminist artists and discovered not only you know it, are, are we doing this contemporarily but how many feminist artists i did not i was not aware of um, that have been doing these things for so long. And not only that, <laughs> but they felt the same way. Like they felt like they were alone and, and like they felt bad for potentially like making this work. And then they did research and found like, oh, there's other. <laughs> so it's like this cycle of like um, just thinking and feeling and getting to have this confidence to make to make work. So I integrate my feminist research into my new series of work. Each one is dedicated to a di different feminist artist, and that gets me back into my love for research. I get to, you know, re-get to know these artists and learn about them and then create this work, which kind of gets me in the mode of them creating their work, and which I really love. And then, you know, whoever might see my work, maybe they'll go look into this feminist artist too and learn something. Hey. What's your secret? You got the kind of that leaves when speechless. It could be model, multitasking, genius. Yeah, you got it all. Hey, what's your story? It can't cast mom in 40 under 40. It's soccer practice in your high heel glory. Yeah, you do it all. Hey, but the cup won't you listen? I'm a You rule the world but make it look like nothing Such a boss Hey, true or false It take about 20 men to do your job A kingdom never fails when there's a queen in charge Girl, don't stop Hey, but a cup won't you listen I'm a
I get a strong sense of your passion. Some of the themes that I hear from you and have, and have read about you include um, examining the role of and the perspective of womanhood, of motherhood. You've mentioned the word feminism, and, and I sort of want to unpack that a little bit more with you in a minute too. Assuming that's accurate, what, what are the themes? What are the kinds of questions you're trying to pose or navigate? Perhaps either your own specific work or perhaps the work that you're curating from other women. That's a great question. And I think it's very similar to what I'm looking at in myself. Like, I mean, on a very basic, who am I? <laughs> you know, as everybody asks that as we grow older, like every stage of my life and of motherhood is different. You know, my kids are constantly growing and changing and that's constantly growing and changing, but so am I. And so this relationship with myself as constantly in question in this body as a woman contemporarily today and same is what I looked to find and seek in these other women. And just because we have been so erased from history and marginalized in history, as well as uh, minorities, we don't have this ingrained sense of being. Um, we kind of have this, I don't want to say we, but we potentially have this ingrained sense of it's, we're not okay to do these things even today so it's kind of like going against that documenting these women and saying like we are here we are doing these things and it's awesome and it's okay and like let's keep there's so much significance in like naming other artists and like the history of women's artists because that's telling the story of our life. And so it's not only just about the art, but it's about women's perspectives and their lives and like documenting that for people who aren't artists too, because that's what we look, you know, historically, we look at art to see the tone of the times. So if women's art isn't in there, that's a huge perspective missing. That sounds very much like a dialogue. It sounds very much like you are not only having an inner dialogue with yourself, Right. processing that through and expressing that through your art um, and also through your curation work mm -hmm. also as if you're having a conversation with other women today and over time but also with a general viewing public i'm wondering what is that dialogue you're trying to have what are you trying to say about the condition of these times the condition you find yourself in I'm trying to, <laughs> that's a good question. I feel like you're one of my art professors back in college. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> There's no grade on this. You've already passed. It's, it's an A grade for me. And not that I should be the one judging. You should be judging me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, that's a good question because like there's so much potential negative when you think of uh, feminist messaging, like the feminist killjoy. And, you know, I'm not, I, I will be a feminist killjoy sometimes. Sometimes it just has to happen. But I, I really strive to be more positive, even though there is this history of marginalization. And like right now, there is a lot of still sexism and everything, a lot going on. I really want to be, I work to be positive um, in my messaging and inquiry and in my curatorial work and my conversations and interviews and my reviews of women artists, as well as being critical, but critical to the importance and power, less so like that's not feminist, <laughs> you know, if that makes sense. So my messages 
to be more empowering and thoughtful and provocative, less so, um, I guess, cancel culture, <laughs> if that makes sense, like more curious than, uh, than yeah, just canceling. Um, so my message is, who are these women? What are these women thinking? What am I thinking? Like, that's important. And why? So really getting the tone of it rather than pointing fingers. I read somewhere about you describing some of your work. And obviously, your work has different um, sort of series. And so you're expressing different things at different times, depending upon what you're trying to talk about. And in one of these series recently, I'm sure I read that you were also weaving in a, a, a layer of humor, some sense of humor into the work. Mm-hmm. And so you talked about, on the one hand, being a feminist killjoy, which I think is a really um, patriarchal put down in many ways of, of feminism. And I've always found, personally, I've always found humor to be extremely powerful in speaking truth to power. And so how does, uh, insofar as you use humor, how, how did you bring humor in to, um, to your work? Well, for one thing in making it, I think that like people talk about um, writer's block or like, you know, if you can't get inspired. I hesitate to say this, but I don't have that because I don't take my work that seriously. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's just fun. Like, I just look at my work. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. As much, you know, significance that I put on it, and I do, I think about the feminist art history, but I, at the same time, I'm just like, who am I? This is so silly. But that helps me because it makes me like unafraid to like make a mistake. And like, it also helps me because I know there's there's serious um, complexities of feminism, but you can't be perfect. You just can't be. There's just always going to be something. So I think a, a part of play and a big part of play is in my motherhood series um, of collaborative drawings and prints with my kids that I started when they were two and four. They're now 11 and 13. So, you know, I was always making art with them um, from a very young age. That's just a great, easy activity, right, for kids to just get out, paint, markers, coloring books, blank paper, whatever. So they were making hundreds of artworks uh, a week. And, you know, I'd give them away, I would save some, but you know, you can't, you just can't, it's not realistic to keep every single thing. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I could just play with this and, you know, draw some figures, some self-portraits on them because, you know, I'm, I don't need to be spending money buying this fine paper if I'm, you know, whatever. So I started playing with it and drawing self-portraits on it and nude self-portraits. And it was a really fun and silly way to like, just look at my role as a mother and my role as an artist. Cause you have, you know, these Sesame street characters with my nude ass, you know, it's just really funny. And um, so I think that series is probably my most playful, fun series. And I think it's also potentially the most engaging one that people find really easy to discuss and um, engage with and look at. I have a very uh, layman understanding culturally of what the word feminist means and how it might be construed by different audiences. 
And so for this purpose, you've, you've talked about that being um, an integral theme for many aspects of your art. So would you mind just explaining what you would take away and, and explain feminism as for your purposes? Yeah, I take a very broad, I call it <laughs> real world approach to feminism. Um, along with my graduate degree in art history, I also got um, a certificate in feminist theory. So I have, I don't have a PhD or anything, but I have researched feminist theory in all its complexities and had academic discussions about it. And I do not like that aspect of it. I like the proactive, positive equality and, and curious aspects of it. I take away from the deeply complex and critical academic thinking of feminist and um, queer theory, the very grounded approach to life that is just inquiring so I am pro-women, pro-women's stories. I say that broadly. Even that word is contentious. I don't get contentious <laughs> <laughs> over words. And I'm privileged to have that. But I, I see a, a very open definition of that word. Um, I like to see open definitions. I don't like to see so much closed-mindedness in feminism. And I also like to say that word because that word can be like, oh no, feminist, because I think we need to own it and um, be proud of it. Just um, a lot of women artists that I've interviewed on my blog will say they're not a feminist because that's too, you know, harsh and everybody, you know, should have equal rights. And I believe that that's okay to believe. <laughs> um, but for me, it's like a strong sense of empowerment just to own that. I'm a little bit naughty. I'm a little bit too consumed. But every part of my body is telling me to run away from you. Come a little bit closer. Yeah, yeah. Come a little bit closer. But you never change What's love got to do with it? He comes around, better knock that stuff down Come a little bit closer Yeah, yeah Come a little bit closer Yeah To so all my ladies who got a brother That doesn't treat them right Put your finger right in his face And tell that man bye-bye I'm too fly I'm too fly Les Femmes Fall. Uh, it's French, uh, so please translate for us. Oh, Wild Women. Um, yeah, that was inspired by our first exhibit, which was inspired by the female beats. Uh, the beat era, if you think of it, is mostly, you know, you think of the men. So we were like, who are the women beats? And um, so that was, that was Wanda's, she named it, um, using the French term. And I kept it. <laughs> so let me ask about Les Femmes Fall, because it seems to me that um, just to present and curate and to bring forward uh, women and 
female artists, that's representational. It, it's not necessarily feminist or advancing a particular commentary about what it is to confront gender issues. Yes. And, and so speak a little bit more then about the origin of Les Femmes Fall and you know what it is and how it's grown and what it stands for. So like I said, it kind of stemmed from this personal you know, yearning to, to find other women artists making provocative work. And it, it grew to be like, wow, we really need this platform. We got s- so much excitement from that original show um, in Omaha in 2011, I think it was. And um, so much excitement for the blog too. And it grew out of Omaha, but then I got inquiries from people around the world. <laughs> like, hey, can I be featured on your blog? Hey. Um, you know, what are you curating? And it was really amazing, along with some, you know, criticism that's just typical, like, you know, why can't I be on your blog? Because I'm a man. It's just like, okay, well, whatever. (laughs) Um, So there's, you know, from both sides, but more so excitement and like a really growing need. And after the original exhibition in Omaha, we curated several more with different curators. And each one the excitement just grew and the crowds grew and it was just, just so exciting and thrilling to have that support from the Omaha community. It just really was um, thrilling and just heartwarming, but it was. And um, so I've since moved from Omaha 2013, but I continue the blog. I curated a few shows here where I live in upper West Virginia, close to Pittsburgh, but um, the community here is vastly different. Um, that's all I'll say about that. But the blog has continued and I continue curating shows. I'm actually curating. It's going to be the 10th anniversary next year. And so and uh, with COVID right now, it's, gonna, it's planning on being an online potentially gallery exhibit. I'm co-curating it with my friend, Leslie Sotomayor, who is a, a feminist artist a couple hours north uh, in Pennsylvania. We are inviting with the 10th anniversary for artists to look at feminist artists from the past or present that have inspired their work and creating art directly around that inspiration to kind of continue this lineage of thinking about other women artists and their impact. So, however, the blog itself, yeah, like you said, the only, the only sort of scope of my blog is to interview women identified artists and provide a platform for their voice, whatever their perspective is. So I don't kind of have this agenda or political, even I do personally, but that's not, I don't extend that to the blog. It's more just a platform for their, their voices. So, but I'm continuing it. I continue to get inquiries from artists everywhere to be featured on the blog and it's still the same format, but I think it's fine. (laughs) And it's, it's continues to be exciting and inspiring for me to hear from these artists and what they're doing and from you know more abstract and minimalist work to more like super provocative feminist work I love just seeing everybody and their different ideas of what it means to be uh, an artist and a woman today you know it was really touching to me to hear you respond so warmly emotionally to the support and the success of Les Femmes Fall when it launched in 2011 in Omaha and so I, I want to ask you, what is it that Les Femmes Fall tapped into then? And what does it continue to tap into 
that makes it feel so resonant and relevant? In Omaha at the time, like I said, I was doing columns for the reader, this Omaha News Weekly. And I even noticed myself in, you know, talking with Wanda and we were like, huh, there's just not a lot of coverage or like exhibits of women artists. And there's a ton of them. Like what's going on? (laughs) So we were just like, let's make more. And like, just, I think having that spirit, having the the spirit of so many like uh the original exhibition i think was five artists and then the next exhibition which was curated by wanda and kim darling i had like 25 artists it was just like wow there's a lot of stellar women making art around here because it was it was all regional if not nebraska artists and it was just like so exciting to just have them all in one space and i think that people were happy and excited to see that so i think even though it's not a new idea it was new at the time and like kind of refreshing i think to just have something um different like that and just thinking about exhibitions differently and then continuing yeah i think that women are just continuously looking for that as we are continuously underrepresented in um, galleries and exhibitions and collections and art reviews, um, art history books, we're still looking for that representation. We're still looking for that outlet for our voice. Artists just don't, in general, don't get an opportunity to really talk about their work and their perspectives. So I think it's, it's fun for artists and especially women artists to reflect on that and do these interviews. Um, yeah, I think that's what continues to be relevant and exciting, I guess. How do you, how do you try to, I mean, yeah. it's as far as you can, you're, you're not yeah. um, responsible for changing all of society's right. injustices, but in, in yeah. as far as you can, how do you try to reflect the fact that there are different levels, different intersections of privilege and oppression? And so how, how do you try to tackle that? I know it's impossible, but I do try to, I mean, I try to seek out women of color more so to feature on my blog and I, as well as curating, I always um, am thinking about that when I'm curating and I always have a, try to have a collaborator who might be a person of, of color to help me, you know, so I'm not blind to that, um, which I can be. So I always try to have like sort of a, not a backup, but like a partner to um, attempt to round it out, but um, it's easy to not think about it, you know. So, but I. <laughs> but you are, right? But I am. I am. I yeah. am. If I'm thinking of issues around gender violence and um, the genderization of the body and objectification, and think about the Me Too movement as emblematic of, say, a, a fourth wave of feminism. I'm wondering if in that context, how you are seeing any of your own art or any of your own work or any of the work being done by the artists that you're um, giving a platform to on Les Femmes Fall, how is that contributing to a, a larger social dialogue about these issues? I'm actually uh, researching for a presentation I'm giving uh, at the College Art Association around some of these, I don't want to 
necessarily say young, but early career artists making work challenging um, body uh, representation and body norms because of social media. So that's related. And I think it is kind of growing out of this, you know, the Me Too movement and social media and, you know, photoshopping and expectations. Um, but that's been there since the 80s with magazines, you know. But now these these early career artists are really challenging that on Instagram and social media, which is really exciting because it's so accessible. You know, it's not in these galleries or museums where people might be intimidated or not even go to because they don't think of it. But it's on Instagram. So, you like, everybody can see it. And I think that's a really exciting thing happening for art, um, not only for feminism, but art in general. But yeah, I do see, and also this community of women artists supporting each other through social media and other um, online ways, um, you know, liking and sharing everybody's, you know, different work. And like, I'm in, in these like different conversations um, with these artists because I make work about the body and they work make work about the body. We just talk about our art. So it's really exciting to see that. And I think that's um, a growing positive thing to come from everything that's that's happening. Is this what you want now? Feels like you're looking for something We were chatting off air about space and you were kind enough to share that you're currently moving home and moving to a place that will afford you uh, the potential to have a sort of do-it-yourself gallery space in your garage. And so I'm just curious about how you yourself are sort of adapting your life and how you're seeing other female creatives adapt the world to their ends. Yeah, exactly. Like I was yeah, saying before we started taping, I guess recording is the word now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so I'm moving. And I, I have a big garage in my new carriage. And it's amazing. And I want to turn it into this gallery because I have witnessed this growing domesticity in um, curating. I've noticed these uh, women just having galleries in their homes. And I think that's amazing. And it goes back to, like I said, Judy Chicago's woman house, like just challenging 
how and where we see art. It's not at this distance in this big pristine gold frame at this gallery with, you know, the snooty attendant. It's in someone's house where they drink coffee and, you know, hang out. It's where they live and they eat. And I think that's a really exciting challenge to the norm, not that the norm is totally bad. Um, I love museums and galleries, but it is this exciting change and difference of pace. And I think that this different curating can provide new ways of seeing, you know, art and art by women that is exciting and I'm thrilled to potentially be a part of. Tell me what's what's coming up for you. What do you see as the next chapter for your work? My personal work? I want to go bigger. Um, so I just actually created the biggest recent body print work I did um, on this big, huge canvas, seven by 10 feet or so, that looks really floral because I did these body prints kind of over each other in kind of a floral fashion. And it's really inspired by uh, Wanda Ewing's big floral pinups. So my plan is to do a series of these big, large body prints with, in the style of, well, in the attempted honored style of Wanda Ewing, uh, self-portrait in pinup style line, line painting on these big, large um, canvases. So that's, that's my next um, thought of series, but I still, I'm always drawing and making little, little self-portraits and little collaborations my, with my kids throw away homework. I'll do little nude self-portraits on their, their math sheets and stuff like that <laughs> just for fun, just so I can be creating. Um, so I'm always doing, I'm always submitting. I'm always um, thinking about that as I'm, you know, doing my day job, doing book reviews and um, everything like that. Everything in my life kind of relates and inspires each other. If you were not an artist, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what other creative expression would you like to be a master of? Oh my gosh. I would go back to my 10-year-old self and be on Saturday Night Live. Like, comedy is like my favorite. And that show has, ever since I started watching it at eight or nine, has been my favorite. Like, if I, had, if I was brave, I would totally go into acting um, and just try to pull that out because I just think that would be so much fun and so rewarding even you know be super hard and who knows the success rate is probably the same as being an artist so um there's that and I also thought about being a math major (laughs) to just forget everything like art is so hard there's no yes and no but math is just it (laughs) so I thought about that for like a day but no I think being an, an actor would be amazing and if I could do anything else, it would be that. This may be a cliche, but um, I, I do want to ask, what kind of advice or guidance would you offer artists who, who perhaps like you are making the choice between uh, math, Saturday Night Live acting, <laughs> fashion, design, or, or you know, maybe more um, you know, conceptual art? What, what advice would you give? Um, listen to your body. I mean, it's so hard when you're young uh, and, you know, 
it's so hard to listen to your intuition. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it was really hard. And it is really hard to just realize like, what do I want? What, what feels good? But at the end of the day in college, that's what felt good. So like, what feels best, you know, what makes you happy and excited and wanting to do it more and then just do it. <laughs> don't think about it too much. Just do it. Don't worry about making a masterpiece. Just make something. <laughs> Where can people find you, Sally, in the uh, online world, not the physical world. Yeah, thank you. I, my Instagram is uh, salary art. It's a play on gallery. So S-A-L-L-E-R-Y underscore art. And then I've got a new website coming up, sallyjanebrown.com. Um, but if you just go to Instagram, that's probably the best. I'm always posting my art and stuff. My guest today has been writer, artist, and curator, Sally Brown. Sally, that was um, that was delightful. Thanks for uh, joining me. Yeah, it was really fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Stuart. Uh, one thing I didn't say was that... That's the end of this week's show. You can listen again to this show and others by subscribing to the podcast at livesradioshow.com and find us on social media at livesradioshow. The music playing you in and playing you out each week was created specially for the show by Andrew Bailey. I'm your host, Stuart Chittenden, and this is Live's radio show and podcast. Join me next week for fresh voices and diverse perspectives on culture, community, and more. Thank you.